0: Welcome to the Heme Consults podcast, a weekly inspiration infusion for women of color and hematology. Dear women of color in hematology, Heme Consults is your personal space to rest, recharge, and renew your spirit with a weekly infusion of inspiration from hematologist Dr. Toyasi Onwemina. Every Sunday, Dr. Unwemina will remind you that you are a superstar and have everything you need to succeed in your incredible career as a hematologist. Welcome to the hematology sisterhood that will transform your world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Heme Consult's podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Unwemena. I'm a hematologist, physician, scientist, educator, and coach. Yes, I said it. I am a coach, and if you are looking for a coach to help you succeed in your transition to research leadership, hit me up, send me a DM, and let's talk about how I can help you. Okay, today's episode comes from the theme scripture, Matthew 13, 58. And before I get to today's episode, I just want to tell you that, oh, woman of color and hematology, you are worthy of respect. You are fundamentally, foundationally worthy of respect, and you don't have to do anything to earn that respect. You are worthy of respect just by virtue of being you, by virtue of being born, by virtue of being on this earth. You are worthy of respect. You might find yourself in situations where people say, Well, you haven't earned my respect. Respect is not a thing that people earn, it's a thing that's inherent to our experience as human beings. Therefore, when you have someone say something or do something that feels deeply disrespectful to you, I just want to say, That it's okay to be angry because whenever there is a trespass upon our inherent and inalienable right to be respected, it hurts deeply. And anger comes from that space because there's a recognition that something wrong has happened. There's been a great injustice. And so I just want to acknowledge your pain and I want to acknowledge the. The anger that you feel when you are in spaces where you are disrespected and where it doesn't just happen to you once, it happens to you over and over again. And sometimes there's just the feeling that you can't let go. You've got to fight for your respect. I get it. I acknowledge it. And I want to say it is natural for you to feel that way. And I just want to honor, honor that feeling. And I just want to say that, yes, we live in environments that hand out disrespect pretty routinely and I want to just encourage you that no matter what you are experiencing in your environment you are worthy of respect and I respect you. I haven't met you yet I don't even know who you are I don't know you by name but I respect you because just by virtue of being you are absolutely totally worthy of respect. All right, woman of color in hematology. Today's episode is called microaggression, and you know, I will tell you that I have a schedule of podcast episodes for the entire year, and I'm still kind of working through my way, batch recording things. But I had to just upend the schedule to record this one because it is so important for me to record it for you because I had an experience with microaggression that I'm going to share very um shortly and it affected me in a way that I that surprised me I was like whoa I just I think I couldn't have imagined how I would have responded to that episode and so I just want to share it right now because part of sharing my story and sharing my story on this podcast is really the place of my healing sharing my story allows me to share the pain it allows me to make the pain valuable it allows me to take the pain and make it count because it helps somebody else, and so me sharing my story allows you to resonate with the story in some way and uh, maybe share it with someone else who who could resonate as well. so the story I want to tell actually, you know the thing about microaggressions is that they they are not they're, it's like deer you're you're driving down the street and you see one deer, and you don't get to feel comfortable that oh, it was just one deer, what a coincidence you know that deer travel in packs. And so the thing about microaggressions is that they actually do happen to travel in packs. And when you see one, when you experience one microaggression, you know that more microaggressions are coming. And that's why it's important to to actually express that you're experiencing one, you have experienced one, and think about how you're gonna prepare for the coming pack. So I have this working relationship with someone who you know, honestly, I don't deal with this person very often. And when I've been in conversations, it's almost felt like an adversarial conversation. Like, are we fighting? Do I know you? Did I hurt somebody in your family? What's going on here? But it's always very much this, this thing of like, it just, it feels fierce. And, and and I remember, you know, the, the space in which I work with this person is really a space where I'm supposed to be getting support. And so I was like, well, you know, I'm supposed to be getting support from you, but what I'm getting is this sense of like, we're, we're fighting or something. And so actually, a, a couple of, it's been probably a year or more, I said, hey, you know, I, I don't feel supported when we're meeting. Can we just not meet and let me meet with the other person? And I actually did this. I, I made a request to not be in meetings with this person because I was like, I don't feel supported. This is a space for support. And thank you very much. so the strategy worked for the most part I don't interact with this person very much and this person's like in a supervisory role so I haven't had to interact with this person very much but very recently I received an email and to be honest this wasn't the first email I've received a bunch of emails and this particular email really just cut me I mean it just cut me (laughs) it's the email that you read and then you look around and you're like, did, did someone just read what I just read? Like you, you're literally like, OK, am I crazy? Am I imagining this? Did this come through my email? Is this real? And this just that experience. And I mean, I was just so upset. And I started, you know, I was like, I am going to respond to this email. And I was like, I'm going to teach this person a lesson about why you don't send emails like that. And I started typing. And I mean, I, I literally had like a couple of paragraphs. <laughs> <laughs> of why the email was so wrong. And in the process of writing this email, I'm getting angrier by the minute. Energy is leaving my body, entering into my computer screen. I am not kidding. And I am less and less satisfied. The more I write, the angrier I'm getting. It was just not working for me. I, I couldn't work for two hours. Oh my goodness, I have to tell you guys, when I make a schedule, I make a schedule for the day. And it's a tight schedule. I'm one of those people who's not very realistic about the things she can get done. So I'm just like, schedule's totally full. There's no space for the extra fluff. There's no space for the email that takes two hours to write. But that's what I did. I invested. I gave my energy, two hours of my energy into composing an email that wouldn't be composed. I couldn't, I couldn't just, I I couldn't work. I couldn't read. I couldn't do the work I had planned. I couldn't go for a walk. I just couldn't do anything. I felt so paralyzed in that anger. I was so mad. And so finally I said, I need help. Because I was just in this cycle of just anger, trying to write the email saying, "Mm, I can't send this one. It doesn't even say what I really want to say. I need help. So I finally got to a point where I was like, I need instantaneous coaching right this moment. And so I call my peer coach who, you know, is not available right away. And this is something I'm learning from from my executive coach, where it's like we're getting to a place where you get to coach yourself. Right. We, we, all these strategies that I'm giving, you know, that I'm given allow me to to think through the process. How do we reframe? How do we acknowledge what's happened? You know, just many, many strategies. But I was I was totally thrown off balance. And so I went to find my friend. <laughs> also happens to be my husband and my confidant. And I was like, okay, I'm about to tell you about something that just happened to me and I don't want you to fix me. This is really important because my husband's a great fixer. And I was like, I don't want you to fix me. I just want you to listen. I need to process how I'm feeling right now. And as I started speaking, I started crying and I was just frustrated. I mean, just tears of frustration, but also tears of relief. Where it was like, I work so hard in this space This is a challenging space. Everything I do, it's like giving, pouring out my soul, my mind, my body into this work and to be disrespected in this way so deeply disrespected. And I just started crying because, you know, all of a sudden, all this emotion is pouring out of me of like, oh my goodness. (laughs) My husband, just true to the wonderful person he is, said, wow, you know, when you are doing great work you are bound to face opposition. And that was so helpful for me. It was just an acknowledgement of this is opposition. So that was so good. Like immediately I was just like calm. It was like, oh, and I was like, thank you so much. That helps me. <laughs> so that was the first layer of like, okay, I feel like I can think again because I was in a loop, but now I feel like I can think again. And so then I start telling him about the email I'm composing because I'm like, I think I should let it go. But I'm like, no. This has happened more than once. It is time. It is time to put my foot down. No way. And uh, he was like, I know you don't want me to fix you, babe, but can I just ask that you would sleep on this email? And I know that that is the right thing to do when you're so mad, you're so angry. You really do need to sleep on whatever decision you're about to make or whatever thing you're going to write. You know, so I I took time away from it because as soon as he said that, just it kind of just helps me to just liberate the anger and liberate the pain and say, you know what? This email has dragged me away from my work for two hours. I'm not going to let it do that. So anyway, so I went about my day. I um, actually composed the email, scheduled it for to be sent and then decided I would sleep on it, wake up in the morning and decide whether I would send it or not. Interestingly, by the morning, the email actually didn't send because somehow the automatic email sender kind of just, you know, flunked on this test. It just didn't send it, which was fine. It gave me another day to think through it. And then I saw that there was another meeting coming up where this person was going to be. And I was like, oh, you know, it's one thing to say "Uh, it was a microaggression. It happened once. It's not going to happen again. But this is something that's actually happened before. And I could already foresee that in this future meeting, it might, it would be an issue again. And so that's when I decided it was important for me to send the follow-up email. The reason I said I would send it as an email is because this is not a friendly relationship where someone's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I did that. I'm so sorry. You know, there are people who just put their foot in their mouths and they, they don't know. This was not that. It definitely wasn't. And so I wanted to have it on paper that I made a complaint about it. I just want it for myself just to say this has been happening before. I now want to formally say, hey, this is how it affected me. And so I I wrote a three-line email. I said, when I read your email, I was left feeling disrespected. And then I said, I spent some time thinking about it and I experienced this as a microaggression. And then I ended with a question. How might we in the future separate criticism from information? It took me 2 days to get to that email. And I I knew it needed to be short. The emails I kept writing the paragraphs and paragraphs of why it's not okay to start an email like this, why it's not okay to say this, why it feels disrespectful, why I should have been supported, but I it just, you know, a lot of stuff that I really wanted to share. But I had to, you know, dial it back because you know, when people do something that triggers these feelings in us, when, they, when, they, when we experience a microaggression, I mean, it's not because they don't know what they're saying is hurtful. In fact, many times people, people are, they come at it, they, you know, you're typing this email with bad energy and it comes through. And, you know, I looked up the definition of microaggression. I'm like, this doesn't even, this doesn't even capture the feeling. The feeling is so deep. This definition doesn't capture the feeling. And but, you know, you can tell the energy with which something comes like this didn't come from a place of respect. This didn't come from a place of love. This didn't come from a place of kindness. You can tell. Anyway, so I did send off that email and the email I got back was very, very Um, it was was <laughs> it was very carefully worded and very much like, oh. Thank you for sharing with me that you felt that way. One of those kinds of emails. I was clearly, at least to me, it kind of felt short. It was one of those like, I, apo- I actually, it wasn't even really a pot. Apo- it wasn't an apology. Anyway, so it's interesting. So I share that story. I think that's where the story ends. So, you know, it's kind of like duh, 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 to be continued. And, you know, I, I have a lot to say about it, but I, I wanted to share it because I think in all the work I've done over the last two years, I think I was surprised to be so angry. I, I was. And it really, you know, that wasn't the end of my coaching. I still, I met with my, my peer coaching group and I did talk with my peer coach. And, um, and I, I actually, I've probably had five or six rounds of peer coaching around this issue. And I think I was surprised to find that I was angry, but there was also the acknowledgement that when you are disrespected, when you feel disrespected, it's natural to feel angry. It absolutely is. And we do ourselves a disservice of pretending that we're not angry and kind of holding it in. And 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 to be honest, my surprise is a little bit silly, right? It's like you're human. Human beings get angry. And so you you know, it was silly that I should be surprised that I was angry. Um, but I was. And it was important really for my peers to call out the fact that I had this unrealistic expectation of myself that I can handle microaggressions without anger. And part of that was important for me to acknowledge that and then to recognize that I had work to do, work to do to process this poison, because microaggression is poison. And it's important to do the work to get the poison out. And Part of my sharing the story with you is doing that work of getting the poison out. (laughs) So that brings me to my lessons for today. And lesson number one, to no surprise, is that microaggressions are poison. They are poison to your soul. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, wait a minute, did I experience a microaggression? Did I not? And I just want to validate the fact that the moment you are feeling disrespected, no matter what it is, did they mean it? Did they not mean it? Did they intend it? Did they not intend it? I just want to say that your feeling is real. Sometimes you want to go and and like, you know, I wanted to take the email to someone and say, "Can you read it? Did you get the same thing that I did?" But I recognized that that wasn't needed. I didn't need anybody else to agree or disagree because sometimes they'll say, "Oh no, this is the way this person always writes emails." And then they um they they kind of like tamp down your 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 concerns. It's like, "Oh, it's nothing, but it is something because what you feel is real.. <laughs> That's lesson number two, but I'm not even done with lesson number one. Lesson number one is that microaggressions are poison to the soul. They are real and they are poison. (laughs) (laughs) The reason you know they're poison is because you do not feel right after they have occurred. You've got to do something about it. You absolutely have to. When you get bitten by a snake and it's a venomous snake, You need to get the poison out as soon as possible. Sometimes, especially if you're one of those people who's good at, you know, being out in the wild and and you know what to do, you might be able to get the poison out. But more often than not, you're going to need help getting the poison out of your system. More often than not, you're going to need to take yourself to a place of healing. Where the poison can be removed for you. You're gonna need to take yourself to a place where an antidote can be administered. This is really important. Microaggressions are poison to your soul and they need to get out of your soul because if you don't take them out of your soul, they will continue to hurt you. And so whatever you need to do to get the poison out, you must. Don't just be like, I'm just gonna take it. It's going to be OK. I'm going to pretend it didn't happen. Do not pretend you were not bitten by a poisonous, venomous snake. That is a microaggression. It's a poisonous, venomous snake. And it's got to go. you poison to the soul. I just want to say that. And I want to say the work of getting the poison out is key. It is critical. It is important. You got to do it. You got to do it. All right. The second thing I shared already is that what you feel is real. It is real. It is real. You know, many times in our environment, especially because we're objective people, we want to say, okay, I'm going to give this email to five other people and let's do a poll to see if the five other people are going to experience the same thing. First of all, you may be disappointed and you may find five other people read the email and they're like, oh, but what is it? What was there? And then they deny the, they deny what you're feeling. And, and it's not that they deny what you're feeling, it's that they didn't have the experience that you had. So, so for me in this email space, there's, there's history here. <laughs> this is not a neutral one-time email, ooh, I didn't know. There's a history of microaggressions being sent in my direction. And so somebody might take the email and say, there's nothing here, but really there, there's a history of bad energy. And the thing about microaggressions is that they are bad energy. You can't always pinpoint the words. You can't, I mean, sometimes you'll be, you'll say, oh, what did they say again? What, it was just three words? How could you have interpreted it in that way? There's a lot of minimizing that can come when you feel like you need to go get someone's validation and you don't, you don't. And that's what I'm telling you is that the feeling you feel is real. And I just want you to stop there. No, nobody has to read the email and agree with you that it was in an ugly tone, nobody. Nobody. I want you to just acknowledge your feelings and accept that you were disrespected or you were treated poorly and just, just, just recognize that because it allows you to say, wow, poison has entered me, right? The feeling you have is because deep poison was shot in your direction and it entered your heart. It is real. And other people might say, I don't see a bite wound here. Other people might say, there's no snake around right now. Are you sure you saw one? Hmm doesn't matter what they say you you felt the bite and the poison you felt it going through your body it is real and i just want to say you don't need anybody else to validate that it is real just 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 settle in and say hey this is real it is real because what happens when we start going around and asking people to validate for us our experience then when they don't then we get more angry and we get more hurt And then we start asking ourselves, am I okay? Is there something wrong with me? And then you start thinking maybe you're crazy and you're not crazy. What you experienced is real. And I just wanna just say, you don't need someone else to agree with you. The moment you feel it, it is real and it's time to take action, take control, okay? Lesson number three is that you gotta release this pain. You gotta release the pain. It's poison, it's inside your body. It's clearly in there. It's making you angry. It's sucking energy from you. Got to release the pain. And where you're going to go release the pain has to be a safe space. And so I was very fortunate to have my husband, who's my friend, help me work through the feelings and the emotions associated with that pain. And that's what you need. You don't need someone who says, "Uh, how might we be taking this too far today? I mean, maybe eventually someone might stop and say, let's reframe. You know, how did that, you know, how can we reframe this experience? Maybe that could, that, that can come later. But the first thing that needs to happen is a safe space where someone says, wow, you've been hurt, you've been attacked. And, and, and for someone to, to just, you know, find a place where someone can just validate the feeling that you're feeling. Not that they need to go back and read the email and say, oh, yeah, I agree or I don't agree. It's just, wow, you are hurt. I don't know what happened. I don't know what the email was. I don't even need to read it. I am just acknowledging your hurt because that is the place where healing starts. The moment someone acknowledges your pain and your suffering, that is where the healing starts. And so I want to I just want to say that the lesson is that we need safe spaces where we can go and share our pain. We need safe spaces where we can go and people can say, yep, I believe you. I totally believe you. And that is the first step in us getting the healing that we need. So what are my calls to action? My first call to action is that you got to find a way to remove the the poison. It is real poison. I've talked about it so much and I just want to, I want you to get that. I want you to get that when someone fires a dart of a microaggression at you, it is inside you and you know it because it's the way you're feeling, you gotta remove the poison. You gotta do whatever you can to get it out. Most of us are gonna need somebody else to help us get out the poison. And I'm just calling you to please don't let any microaggressions build up in your heart. And if they have, if there's like, you know, a layer of them that have been growing, you gotta get a way to you got to find a way to remove that poison because that's the only way healing can come. It's like this, you know, this wound that has bacteria in it. And until you can kill the bacteria, get the bacteria out, the wound is not going to heal. And so you got to find a way to remove the poison. And that can happen in community. It can happen with you working with a coach. It can happen with you working with a therapist. You got to find a way to get the poison out. And then you got to find a way to stop the poison from keeping coming in. How do you build boundaries to help you so that the poison doesn't keep coming? This is so important. This is so important. Find a way to get the get the healing you need and then figure out what do you need to do to set the boundaries. It doesn't mean you're not going to be in the wilderness. Hey, academia is a wilderness. So you're not going to say I quit the wilderness. And some people do that. And and, and if that's a decision for you, make it carefully and make it with someone you trust, make a decision with someone you trust, like, you know, find a place to really work through the way you're feeling and, and make sure that the decision you make to leave is, is the right decision for you. But definitely do that work. Do that work. Do that work of removing the poison, making sure that you can be healed, and then figuring out how do you create the s- space that is safe for you so that you don't keep getting attacked by the poison of microaggression. The second thing I want you to be is a safe space that others experience. So here's the thing about microaggression. It doesn't have to be racially based. It can be on the basis of your gender. It can be on the basis of your sex. It can be on the basis of your, you know, position. It can be, there can be many reasons why microaggressions come. And I didn't say much about this person and their background, but the reality is that microaggressions can come in many, many ways. And We can receive microaggression, but we can also give microaggression. And so I want to say that I want you to be a safe space that others experience. Whatever work you need to do to have your heart and your face align so that you are a real, true, genuine person, please do that. If you are accepting the poison of microaggression and you're not finding a way to take it out and get the healing that you need, you probably are also a giver of microaggression. Probably. And so for you to be the safe space that others experience, you got to be a whole person. You got to do the work of the healing. It's got to happen to you. And so, I just want to invite you to be the safe space that other people experience. And then my third call to action is you got to have a plan. The next microaggression is coming. The next viper is going to jump out of from under the wood and it's going to it's going to just sink its teeth into you. It's going to pour that poison in. What is your plan? You got to have a plan. Some of that could look like having boundaries around who is allowed to cross over, right, into your space where they can deliver these darts that they're firing at you. Some of that is the boundaries. Some of that is reevaluating your relationships and saying, whenever I step into this space, I'm always bombarded by these microaggressions. How can I reorganize so that I don't have to step into this space? And this is work that's hard because for many of us, it's like, this is where I work. This is where I work. I I lived in a space where I worked and I I just managed the microaggression for seven, eight years. And then I was like, nope, no more. Right. And sometimes we are able to continue to work in a space where there's microaggression that's continuous, but sometimes the poison gets bad and we're like, "Mm, I'm going to need to find a new space. And I I want to invite you to consider that sometimes the new space is not leaving the entire institution. Institutions are big spaces. The question is, can you find a space that works for you within the larger community? And that's a decision that you need to come to yourself. And I'm going to encourage you to find safe spaces, find a coach to work with, come work with me who can help you to do that work of processing. So that you don't have to take it on into yourself so that you can have a plan to combat the next microaggression. So that's all I really have for today. I want to say that there are a lot of people, especially women of color in hematology and others, not just women of color, but this is my audience, right? And I know you're listening. You're not a woman of color. It's okay. You're still welcome here. somebody else right now, this very moment, is experiencing a microaggression and needs encouragement, needs to recognize the poison and needs to do the work of getting the poison out. And if you know such a person, if you are such a person, please share. Share whatever resources are needful to help people make it. Because there are a lot of poisoned people around who are just dying because they don't have the space to have their microaggressions acknowledged and to have a plan to deal with them. And so I wanna I wanna invite you to please share this as widely as possible because people, we need help and we need safe spaces. We need to create them, we need to be the safe spaces and we need to be able to go to the safe spaces. And I would just say that if you have experienced a microaggression and you're looking for a safe space, a safe space to just talk through it, please DM me, let's talk, let's talk because you need to be whole. You've got a lot of things you need to do. There's so much in you that needs to come out to bless this world. And if you're harboring poison, you're not going to be able to do that work. And so I want to encourage you to please do the work to, to get that poison out. All right, that's the end of this episode. I just want to end by saying that, women of color and hematology, you are deeply worthy of respect. And I'm sorry that people have disrespected you. And to be honest, I know they keep disrespecting you. There's a sense of not getting your value, not getting your worth, but I recognize your worth. And I know you recognize your worth and your value. And I just want to say, women of color in hematology, you are absolutely fundamentally worthy of respect. You don't need to work harder to make this happen. You are worthy of respect right this moment today. And I just pray for you this week that you find spaces where people honor and value you because you are absolutely worthy of being placed in the place of high honor and value. All right, women of color in hematology, I look forward to talking with you again next time.